Hi, and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant, Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland, that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you're currently looking for a home church, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship. For more information about our Sunday service, or to find out how we can best help you, head to our website at churchunlimited.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message from Sunday service. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to be kicking off our new Unlimited series. And uh, this is our new preaching series. We're going to be talking about it over the next three weeks. And if you haven't noticed, the name of our church is Church Unlimited. Maybe you didn't pick that up. Maybe you've just come for the very first time. Well, the name of our church is Church Unlimited. And I'm here to tell you, we did not just pick that name out of a hat. We weren't just trying to think, oh, what's some clever marketing? That was a word that God spoke to us very clearly that his church was to be unlimited. And in Matthew chapter 16, we have a conversation between Jesus and Peter. And this is what Jesus says to Peter. He says, and I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. That God is building his church and not even hell itself could prevail against it. And I think it's so important that we understand that our God is actually unlimited. This is something I've been wrestling with even just this week. And I'm I'm so glad that I'm preaching this message today because I need to hear this message. I got an email on Saturday um, from the owner of our building saying, I've changed my mind. I'm not going to sell anymore. And I'm like, okay, praise the Lord. And, you know, we're singing the battle belongs to our God. And he says, I'm going to build my church and not even hell or Robert Van Kyle will be able to stand against it. And it's so important that we understand the nature of God because when we understand the nature of God, we understand what we're actually putting our faith in. And when we understand that God says he will build his church and not even hell itself, not Satan, not the demonic principalities, none of that can prevail against his church. What he's actually saying is he is unlimited. God himself in his very nature is unlimited and it is critical that you and I live with a core belief with a dogma theology that says that God is unlimited he is able to do all things there is no limits no boundaries nothing on God and then that is the one that we put our faith in our faith is not in ourselves our faith is not in Morton city council to get us a zebra crossing our faith is in the lord that's why we will pray for that and we'll sign a petition everything else that we believe in this life is determined by what we ultimately believe about god what you believe your theology about god sets the trajectory of your life so many people live and believe that Whilst God might be unlimited, 
that he's really quite indifferent to our everyday lives. Like, honestly, God's got a lot going on right now. He's trying to sort out Israel and Palestine. How could he possibly care about a zebra crossing? But let me tell you, our God is unlimited. So often we don't pray for things because we go, well, you know, I don't have cancer and my wife's not leaving me and I haven't just written the latest country and western song. So really I probably have nothing to pray for because, you know, I don't want to bother God with these silly little things. Our God is unlimited by his very nature. He is without limits. He is without boundaries, and he is without comprehension of your little pea brain. The hardest part about being a Christian for me is to get my little brain stretched around the bigness, the unlimitedness of who he is. Now, many of you would once be aware aware that once upon a time, um, the world subscribed to flat earth theory. Flat Earth Theory. If you go online right now, you'll find that there are still people that subscribe to Flat Earth Theory and who are constantly trying to prove the idea that the Earth is not a globe, but in fact still flat. This was because before we got the proof that the Earth was round, most people just judge things from their perspective, from their perception. The way I see it is the way that it must be. And because you and I are limited, we often do that to God. We don't come up to God's level. We bring God down to our level. Because we are limited, and I'll be the first to tell you I am hugely limited. I often bring God down to my level. It wasn't, you know, that some of the sailors in the early days used to think that they were going to fall off the edge of the earth. They were terrified to go too far because, you know, there's like an edge and we're going to go off it and who knows what's down there. There was no satellite imagery. They couldn't see further than they could see. It wasn't until Ferdinand Magellan circumnavigated the globe that we even started to understand that, whoa, this is a, this is a big ball in the sky. When I first came to Australia, um, I had no concept of what Australia was like. I had a very limited, ignorant, American, 21-year-old perspective. All of those things were working against me. Coming to Australia, I didn't know anything about this place. I thought that everybody talked like Mick Dundee and rode kangaroos to school. And would you believe it? I landed in Townsville, and all the kids do ride kangaroos to school in Townsville. And everybody does talk like Mick Dundee in Townsville, including the women. Sorry, Jess. We don't know what we don't know. And we can't see what we can't see. And the concept of God being unlimited is almost hard for us to get our... It hurts. It hurts my little brain. It's like, I don't know what to do with you. This is why I'm so grateful for worship. Because I actually need worship. You've heard me often say that I need worship more than God needs worship. 
Why? Because as I lift up my voice and I start to magnify the Lord, I start to rise to his level instead of bringing him down to my level. And so just with our time this morning, I want to talk about the nature of God. Because to say God is unlimited is, to, is, is a big statement. So let, what does that really actually mean? And I want to break it down into to four key things. Are you ready? The first one is to say that God is omnipresent. Omnipresent. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it starts with, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. From the outset of the creation story, we get some very important language in the beginning. Omnipresence is defined as everywhere all the time. God is everywhere all the time. And in, the, in, in this sentence, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, is to say that at the very beginning... God had already existed before you, what you and I now know as, as the beginning of creation. This means that God is actually everywhere, even before that which was created. This means that God is omnipresent, and, and that needs to be understood in three different ways. The first way is dimensionally. In the beginning, before God created any type of time or space, before there was any created substance, God actually was before all of that. This is why when Moses says, hey, what shall I call you? He simply says, I am. He doesn't say, I was, I will be, my name is God. He says, I am. As though he is always, he has always been. He has been there since the beginning, and he has been there since before the beginning in another dimension that you and I cannot comprehend. Before time was created or before space was created, let's call that heaven and earth, God existed. He exists in himself, and he exists in his own dimension. That is the kind of God that we lean into and pray to and put our faith in. He is not bound by any type of limitations, not even creation. Let's look at this chronologically for a second. Because God exists in his own dimension, he's outside of every created thing, every created substance, he's outside of time. In the beginning, God, he existed before there was even time. Your watch might tell you what time it is. We, we know that it's 2024 on your domine in the year of our Lord. But God is outside of that whole idea. He doesn't work in our timelines. Did you know that for God, at the very same time that he's saying, let there be light. He's also saying, it is finished. 
It happens at the same time for God. We see it happens on a chronological timeline according to the the layout of Scripture. But God, those things exist at the same time for God. At the same time that Adam was committing the first sin, God was sending Christ to the earth to reconcile humanity back to himself because God does not live in timelines. I live in timelines. Jesus, born around zero, died around 33. James, born around 1980. Well, not around. I was born in 1980. That's definite. Saved in the year 2000. You know that that God has this ability to weave himself in and out of time And even before whatever we call the beginning, well, he was there too. And God is not bound by what you and I are bound by. He exists beyond the concept of time. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 8, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is? Who was and who is to come. The almighty, all-powerful. I am God. That is the God that we put our faith in. That is the God that created you. Well, he's also outside of geography. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Did you know that at the same time that he was creating the heavens and he was creating the earth, he existed outside of that. There was some other place that he existed. You and I cannot comprehend that because we only understand created things because we are his creation. We understand created time and created substance, but he exists outside of that. And even in in geography, he's outside of heaven. He's outside of earth. God is not only with me. God is also with you. God is not only in Australia. He's also in America. I hope. I think he's still there. God's very presence It has no bounds. It is unlimited. And and it's so important that we understand that type of nature of who God is. Because when we sing about Him, that's what we're singing. You are outside of everything. I'm so glad that my, my life is not in the hands of some limited God who is... Create, who is um, confound to the things that we understand. The second thing we have to understand about God is that He is omnipotent. He is omnipotent. In Genesis chapter 1, verse four, uh, 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was on the face of the deep. 
and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So there was evening and morning on the first day. When you read the rest of the creation account, you notice that the whole of creation has one thing in common. It all comes from God said. God said, let there be light. God said, let there be earth and heavens. God said, let there be dry land and wetland. God said, let's have a whole array of animals and birds of the air and fish of the sea. God said was the very thing that sparked creation. Now, there are so many creative people on the earth. Steven Spielberg and his movies, incredibly creative. And Mish Lal with his little videos, pretty creative. Monet with all of his painting and Nathan Malia with his cool graphics. Builders with their buildings and children with their Legos. We're all creative. But one of the things to understand about earthly creation is when we create, we create with stuff that already exists. Nobody on earth creates with new stuff. We just take a tree that was already created, we chop it down and we turn it into a house. We take minerals and we take different things and we create stuff. Even that beautiful guitar that James was playing Whoever created that beautiful guitar took substances that already existed and made that guitar. That is not how God creates. God creates according to the term ex nihilo. Ex nihilo literally means to create something from nothing. Every person on the earth that creates, we create something from something. But God creates differently. He creates something from nothing by simply speaking. That is such an important thing to understand. Because when God speaks, He creates it when it never existed in the first place. God said, let there be light. Did you know that He did not create the sun, the moon, and the stars until the fourth day? Let there be light was done on the first day, and he didn't even need the sun, the moon, and the stars to do it. There just was light. In 1990, NASA launched the Hubble Telescope. And this is a satellite that orbits the Earth and takes pictures of outer space. And these scientists who operate the Hubble Telescope are extremely perplexed because every time they take new photos, they're discovering new dimensions of outer space. And what they cannot work out is if, is if the, those dimensions of outer space were there and they're only just now seeing them, or if those new dimensions are being created in the time that it takes for the, the, the Hubble telescope to go around the earth. What's the point? 
Well, when God said, let there be light, he never said stop. So when God commands, let there be light, it's very probable that the universe is continually being created by the never-ending power of our Almighty God who speaks it, and, and the Hubble telescope is just trying to keep up. Let that sink in for a second. The vastness of who God is is beyond our wildest comprehension. When God says it, he creates it. It happens. He is unlimited without limit. It is so important that we understand God that way. Because when God speaks something... He's not describing what is. He shows up to Gideon and he says, hey, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. Well, you and I know that Gideon was no mighty man of valor. Gideon was the weakest in his father's house. Gideon was at war and he was hiding away, threshing wheat in the wine press. Gideon according to our perspective, was a loser. But Gideon, according to God's perspective, and what God says, you mighty man of valor. Well, what happens? Eventually, God's words start to break off the limitations off of Gideon's life. And Gideon starts to align with the spoken word of God. He literally starts to become everything God said he was and ultimately became an incredible mighty man. It's so important that we understand that when God speaks, he's not describing. When God speaks, he is creating because he's omnipotent. He is all-powerful. All power, every created thing, everything that wasn't that is now is, is because he says it is. That is who you're putting your faith in. That is the one. Did you know that when Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says, it is finished. What's he talking about? Sin. He's declaring that sin and its power and its destruction and its fruit is finished. It's over. The veil has been torn. The relationship has been restored. But we don't understand it like that. Have you ever seen that funny movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? I think that's a funny movie. I watched that when I was a kid and... And you have these guys that are walking around the grass and they, they don't even pay attention to the ants. They have no concept of the bugs that are in the garden. They're just mowing the yard or going about their, their lives until you get shrunk and you're down amongst it. And the grass blades look like trees and the ants look like elephants. That is a good picture of us and God. We live so small. And so limited, failing to understand that God is so much bigger than anything you and I could possibly comprehend. 
When God says, you are a new creation, the old things have passed away and behold, all things are being made new. I don't know about that. I don't know about that, Lord. Still smell a lot like the old creation. I did old creation stuff again today, Lord. You have to understand, God's not just throwing pie in the sky. I, I, I don't know about you, but I struggle with words like champion and legend. Hey, legend. What are you, a legend? Hey, champ. I struggle with all that kind of, because I'm like, come on. I've never beat anything. Champ. A champ has a belt. I think of Rocky Balboa. I don't have a belt. <laughs> hey, champ. Hey, legend. This is this common. You have to understand. If God said, hey, champ, you know what would happen? A belt would instantly grow around my waist. <laughs> I would be the champion of whatever he said I was just because he said I was. I'd be like, Whoa. If I was walking down the street and God said, hey, skinny. (laughs) Do you know what would happen to me? Whatever this natural construct is, (laughs) would fall into alignment with with whatever he said. What God do you believe in? He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is without limitation. This is why His Word is so important to us. We think, oh yeah, James, God spoke. Yeah, back at creation, He spoke and it all happened. He's still speaking. Exhibit A. He's still speaking. And whatever he speaks, we start to become according to his power. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, he says, I has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of the tiny little men the things which the unlimited God has already prepared for those who love him. I added a few extra words in there. Come on, stop trying. We're all flat earthers. Oh, if we go too close to the edge, we'll fall off. Stay back. Work on your super. Buy your house. Get safe. God says, mate, I want to show you a whole new world. He wants to get you on a magic carpet and take you places. Here's a third one. God is omniscient. He is omniscient. If God is omnipresent, he is the alpha and the omega, and he is all-powerful, he's omnipotent, he must be omniscient. Omniscient is to be all-knowing. He knows everything. You know, I love Psalm 139, when David says, You know my thoughts, O Lord, before I even think them. You know my words, O Lord, before I even say them. 
He knows everything. He knows how I was created in my mother's womb because he was there handcrafting me. God is omniscient. He knows it all. The prophet Isaiah puts it like this. In Isaiah 55, 8, God's speaking and he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now that's not a rebuke. It's an invitation. God's not sitting there going, you little idiot. God's saying, hey, you're, you're living down here. But I, I've got thoughts, mate, that you couldn't handle my thoughts. You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. You're right. I can't handle your truth, oh Lord. It blows my little brain. You are bigger than I could possibly imagine. When we can't make sense of it all, you know what we do? We throw tantrums. You ever told your kid no? Paula and I were just reminiscing about one of our children in the grocery store. We told them no, and they proceeded to throw themselves on the ground and act like they have epilepsy. They do not have epilepsy. I didn't mean to offend you, Leon. When we can't understand what God is doing, we throw tantrums. We get mad at God. We call ourselves atheists. We invent things like evolution to try to explain it all. If you're a Christian and you've had a hard time explaining creation, awesome. Join the club. The rest of us are there too. We just understand it to be. Did God create through evolution? I don't know. I wasn't there. I think that if he wanted us to have more information, he would have given us more information. But sometimes God doesn't give us all the information because we're supposed to live by faith. Faith is when you don't have it all worked out. You don't understand it all. It just is. Because God exists outside of time and has always been and is everywhere and is all-knowing, He is truth. He is the only truth. This is why He says in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So let me tell you something, because this happens to me too. When we read our Bibles and we read that this is his word, but it doesn't make sense to me or even settle in my spirit as, as I don't even like it sometimes. Uh, I know that there have been preachers in the past that have, you know, talked about homosexuality. 
And they've tried to start their conversations by saying things like, you know, I'm really sorry, and I don't know why God says this. I don't even know if I like it, but you know, God says. It's like they're making some type of excuse or preamble for why God is who God is. You know what we should start with? I have a tiny little pea brain. I don't understand the complexities and the vastness of who he is. But I'm telling you, he is who he is, and you and I are to get on board with it. That's how we start those conversations. I don't understand it. It doesn't all make sense to me. Why did they die? Why are you going through what you're going through? I can't give a good explanation. But God knows. And that's okay with me. I'm just trying to catch up. Here's the fourth one. Invite the worship team if you would come. Most of us have heard terms like, you know, omnipresent and, and, and omniscient and, and omni, omnipotent. But I want to introduce to you a new one that, that maybe Dan and I only just learned about this week, but I love it. It's called omnibenevolent. It's not that funny. This isn't a comedy routine. This is the word of the Lord. Omnibenevolent might be a new one. You know what it means? It means all loving. He is all loving. In 1 John 4, we get some beautiful insight into the nature of who God is. It's amazing insight. I, I love reading this. I studying this this week just blessed my heart so much. In verse 7, he says, Beloved. Let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Here's verse 8. He does not, uh, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Notice the language there. It's not that God loves. It's not that he has love. It's that he is the very nature of love. Love is God and God is love. Let me tell you something. If it's not God, it's not love. You know, we use words about love. You know, it's funny how we throw the word around. You know, Hollywood's taught us that you can make love. If it's not in the constructs of who God is, that's pleasure seeking or taking. God created. Actually, that's not true. Let me change that. God is love. He didn't create love. It literally is his essence. Sorry, I'm still, my mind's catching up. In verse 9, it says, In this, the love of God was manifest towards us, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Christ is God's greatest evidence or manifestation of His love. 
God, we were so lost, depraved, helpless, didn't know how to fix ourselves. And God came and found us trapped in our sin. He came to the earth. He, he left his multidimensional situation and just came down and inserted himself into our world. That he was the perfect sacrifice, defeated sin once and for all, and now has made his love available to everyone. In verse 10, it says, in this, uh, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. We talked a little bit about that last week. He goes on in verse 17. He says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment or punishment. Do you know God's not interested in punishment? He's not interested in punishing us. The perfect judgment and punishment was already worked out on Jesus. You and I are not subject to punishment. We are subject to His omnibenevolence. His all love. That He loves us like that. And then verse 19, we love him because he first loves us. Come on. When you know that, when you've experienced that, when you've experienced the love himself, all these other ideas start to fall off of you. All these other understandings of life the way that you love your spouse or the way that you love other people starts to change. Jesus actually shows us that in Matthew 22. Jesus says to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, that you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. Notice the language there. He says, you shall it's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. When you have experienced the omnibenevolence of God, it should be the natural byproduct flowing out of you that you love as you have been shown how to love. I don't even know what love was until God started to show me what it was. I had ideas of the world. But when I met the Lord, I started to understand from a whole new dimension as he has been teaching me again what love actually is. Notice this. It says, the, the measure to which I love you is determined by how much I love myself. That's confronting. Husbands, you can't love your wives more than you love your own self. I know a lot of men who don't love themselves. Well, we can't love our own selves until we first love God. 
But you can't actually love God until you first understand His unconditional love for you. The word that Scripture uses to define God is the word agape, which is unconditional love without limits, without boundaries. You can't screw it up. You can't mess it up. That even your failures and your inadequacies cannot undo His love for you. God is so much bigger than we could understand. He is unlimited. He said he would build his unlimited church, but that ultimately flows out of who he is. And it's so important that we allow this to shape how we view him. Because if that is how we approach him, then that's what you're going to to, to lean into. You're leaning into his, his omniscience. He knows everything, mate. And he's not ashamed of you. He knows how we're going to buy this building, even though I don't know how we're going to buy this building. He knows how you're going to advance and go forward, even though you don't know how. He knows how you're going to get married, even though some people, you're, I sense that there's somebody here, even a man maybe, and you said, I'm unlovable. There's no way that God would ever bring me a spouse. Can I tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell? You don't believe in the same God I do. He knows you. He knows your quirks. He knows how much you like Star Wars. And he's going to help you become the man that you're called to become. God is unlimited. He's all loving. I put him here if the team have him up. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. For some of you, you need to stop thinking that God is only with you at church. God doesn't live in buildings anymore. He lives in you. He's everywhere. He's all powerful. He holds your life in the palm of his hands and he is the one who goes before you. Cindy, I would like to sing. Maybe the worship team can come. I'd like to sing that song that we sang at the beginning called The Battle Belongs to the Lord. Because it really reminds me of the bigness of who He is. And in this, I want to encourage you, would you just place your disappointments, your confusion, your frustration, would you just start to place this in His hands? God is all-knowing. He's, om- he's omnibenevolent. He's all loving. Would you stand to your feet? Before we sing, I, I wonder if there are people here and you don't actually know the, the love of God, the omnibenevolence of God. Maybe you don't know that he really did come to the earth and he died for all of your sin. He died for all of my sin too. I worked that out a few years ago. But maybe you're here today and you would say, you know, James, I, I'm aware now that, that God does love me and I need to respond to his love. I need to, I need to return my faith back to the Lord. For a long time, I put my faith in myself, in my own abilities, in my own intelligence. And it's led me to nothing but destruction. Every time I ever operated according to my own self, I have made my life messy. 
It wasn't until I acknowledged his love for me and started to lean into who he is and make my life fit into him that my life started to work out. And I wonder if there are people in you here today and you would say, you know what, I've been doing things my own way for a long time and, and now it's time for me to start to, to do things God's way. I want to lean into to the unlimited nature of God. I've been living so limited. I need the unlimited nature of God. Maybe you could just bow your heads just for a moment. Close your eyes. Ask the question, have I received his unlimited love? by letting him forgive me of my sin? Have I responded by loving him as he is teaching me how to love? If that's you and you're here and you say, James, I've not done that or I need to do that again. I need to receive that love. I want to pray with you. And just so I know who I'm praying with, if that's you, would you give me a little wave? I'll see your hand and then you can put it back down. Come on, I see your hand. That's so great. Is there anybody else saying, James, I need to pray. I need to do business with God this morning. I need to receive his unlimited love too. Come on, that's awesome. That's so cool. Why would you say no when he is who he is and he's done all this for us? All you got to do is say yes, Jesus. Is there one more? Two, Two women saying, yes, I need to pray. Is there one more this morning? Come on. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. You proved it when you came to the earth and died for my sin. Jesus, wash me. Cleanse me. Show me your love. Teach me how to live according to your unlimited nature. Amen. Lord, for those two women, I thank you that you know them. And, and maybe they know you or have an idea of you, but, but God, they're about to know you even more as you start to reveal yourself to them in a greater way. God, I thank you right now that your loving kindness is surrounding them and just washing away every pain, every shame. You're starting to bring healing and restoration into their lives in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody, would you lift your hands? Lord, as we unpack your word and we start to understand your nature, we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would help level us up. Help us to level up to your ways and your thoughts. We've been trying to understand you from our limited worldview. But God, you are the God that is outside of every limitation. Show us how to know and to follow and to, 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 to pursue the more. God, I just speak right now over each person just a deeper revelation of your unlimited nature. God, that you are, you are, your love has no bounds. Maybe you're here today and you would say, you know, I just feel like I'm, God's ashamed of me. Maybe I've done some things. Maybe I've made some mistakes and I've let myself down. It's okay, mate. God's unlimited love for you 
It, it has no punishment. It has no fear. Right now, I break off every fear attached with failure. With every time we've ever made a mistake, there is no fear. There is no punishment in Jesus' name. There is the overflowing love of God that has no bounds. You can't screw it up. And because we know that kind of love, we can in turn love you back. God, I pray that you would strengthen us, Lord, to help us to to start to follow your ways and to start to do things as you say. You are omnipotent, God. When you speak, we thank you that it is being formed in our lives. Lord, who, who, what you say about us is literally forming in us. And we are becoming what you say we are. We love you, God, and we trust you so much. We put our faith in you today, Lord. Come on, maybe you're sitting here and you've got a battle. Maybe you're frustrated about something. You're not sure about something. You're, you're wrestling confusion or disappointment. Come on, whatever your thing is, as we declare this song, I want you to magnify the Lord, the bigness of God in your little situation. Thanks for joining us. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed by the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship.